everyone. Good morning. So glad I'm you're here. This is so fun. I hope I don't call you DJ. <laughs> you can call me DJ. You know, I think, Candace, one of the things, just to real quick, I know so many of us have watched you on TV for a number of years, but I would love to just get a little background. Tell us a little bit about like where you came from growing up. What was your family like growing up? Sure, I would love to. So I actually was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. So my my half of Austin was raised in Los Angeles. I, that's I've so heard. strange. I've heard. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we love um, everybody, don't we, Church? Yes, 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 yes. Of course. And my dad actually was a public middle school teacher for thirty-five years. Really? Yes. What did he teach? He taught math and PE. Wow. Yeah. And so I came from just, a, you know, my dad was a teacher. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and raising four kids. And we actually, and I say we because I have two older sisters and an older brother that you might be familiar with, Kirk Cameron. And so my brother and I were both into, we fell into acting, but it was really because we were born and raised in L.A. And it was just like, you could go play soccer, you could take dance class, you could audition for commercials, and that's what... Just like a normal after-school activity. Yes, that's how it is in L.A. <laughs> so we just kind of fell into it. And as far as my faith life, my parents, my mom has always been a believer. My dad was not a believer. And so I didn't go to church for the first time until I was 12. And that's because my parents were having a really tough time in their marriage. And then a friend invited them to church to help them in hopes that they would work that out. And that is what really started our church life because then my dad was open to it because he wanted to make amends and reconcile with my mom. But my dad wasn't a believer for a long time. So even though at 12 I started going to church, I became a Christian. I gave my life to the Lord at 12 years old. But we, at home, we still weren't really taught the Bible, but we were taught very biblical principles because of my mom and dad and just kind of living by the golden rule. But my dad would never have called them biblical until later in life. So your parents were good people. Yes. But they weren't necessarily connecting the dots to a relationship with Christ. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of people and a lot of parents who maybe are Christians don't always know how to connect those dots. One of the things that we say is we want to partner with parents to raise a generation of leaders and not followers, but yes. part of that means a lot of times parents will come to church because they want their kids to get good values, but then when you do introduce a relationship with Christ, when you do bring that into the equation, it puts so much more power behind those principles. Oh, it absolutely does. I'm so grateful to my mom and dad. I have a wonderful relationship with them. And my, both my parents are believers today. But my dad came to Christ probably when I was in my 30s. I mean, I'm still in my 30s. Right, <laughs> right. So very recently. <laughs> very recently, very recently. So... I'm, I'm so grateful for how they raised me, but as a, as a parent of, of three children, my husband and I, of course, you take the things that you love that your parents did, and you tweak the things that you think can be better. And so in that part of our lives as parents, we did things a little differently than my parents did because we really wanted the foundation of Christ and those biblical principles to, uh, 
to really go forth in all that we did and to have our children understand where those principles were coming from. Okay, I have a question about that just real quick. I'm sorry. So I don't know if y'all know this. Candace is married to a former professional hockey player, professional athlete in the NHL. Professional athletes and television celebrities are not known for having great Christ-honoring marriages that go the long haul. How long have y'all been married? 27 years. 27 years. Which is so weird, because I'm like barely in my 30s, right? <laughs> right? That was so nice of your parents to sign off on the wedding when you were 12. I know, I know. That's great. So when did you and your husband start making those decisions about the decisions you would be making? Well, I'll have to back up a little bit because my husband and I were very surface level Christians when we met and got married, which we were 20 and 22 years old when we got married. So I know you can do the math, how old I really am. And while we both believed in Christ, we didn't know the Bible well. That wasn't, it wasn't a huge part of our lives. And then God, when I had children, when I had our, our first daughter, everything changed. And that's when I realized I actually don't really know what I believe. Like I believe in Jesus. I believe he's forgiven my sin. I've accepted him into my heart, but I don't have this ongoing dialogue with him, relationship with him. I don't truly seek him out on a daily basis. And now what am I going to teach my children? And I asked my husband, what are we going to teach our children? And that got me diving into the word of God and it rocked my whole world. So even deciding what kind of school, what, once God grabbed a hold of my heart and I found a church and I was going, but my husband was playing professional hockey and they don't have days off. So I was going to church most of the time by myself and with the kids. And then I was like, Can, I think we, I'd like to put them in a Christian school when they were in elementary school. And so those were huge conversations because this was... These weren't things that we ever talked about or ever thought about. But God, too, grabbed a hold of my husband's heart. And he gave his life to Jesus at about 25 years old. And praise the Lord. And so that dynamic, because we were now united, a united front in knowing we wanted to raise our kids in this way, it changed the dynamic of what that looked like. But we both realized as parents... We actually need to know the word of God for ourselves so that we are able to then not only talk to our children and teach our children, but to model the behavior for ourselves. Because if we're not modeling that and walking the talk, then it won't mean anything to our children. Which brings us to a great question then. So you realized that, and then what did you do about it? So you said, okay, we want um, to know the Bible better. We want to raise our kids with biblical principles, but we've got to figure out what biblical principles are. And so what did you do? You asked that question, because a lot of people get to that point. And actually, a lot of people get to that point when their kids are 15, 16, or even 23, 25, or like you said, you're, um, I'm, how old did you say you were when your dad yeah, stepped I mean, I into was, a relationship with right, Jesus? Right, I mean, my dad was in his, in his 50s at some point when he stepped into and the so relationship. And so there's, there's no such thing as too late nope. to have an impact on your children, for your faith to have an impact on your children. So when you realized, okay, you know what? This is something we need. We need to understand mm -hmm. scripture so that our children benefit from our overflow. What'd you do? 
I went back to like Bible 101. I was like, let me sit in the kindergarten classes because I don't even understand like all the stories of the Bible, but no, with no shame, honestly, with no shame. And, and I, don't, I don't feel bad or have, um, am ashamed that I didn't learn those things as a child, but I'm gonna make a decision now to, to learn it. So I got not only involved in my church, but had a very small group Bible study that I had at my house once a week with a few other ladies. That helped me grow tremendously. I also stopped working for 10 years to raise my kids. So that was a time I really, really grew in the Lord because when they would take a nap or when they were in school, whatever age range they, they were at, I really dove into time with the Lord and to study him and to ask questions and learn and grow. So my... My small group was really important. Church was really important. And just, and the community and choosing friends, asking questions. But I love the, the, what you said there. I, I dove into the word to study God. It wasn't just to study the Bible and know the words, but to know God better, to have a closer yeah. relationship with him. I am still learning God. And oh, he right? blows my Amen. mind. He truly does. I'm in the, I've been reading through the Bible. I'm in the Old Testament. I am in Isaiah. I have never spent, I've never like sat in Isaiah before. <laughs> I was flying here yesterday and I was, I read my, like, I read my Bible on the plane. That's just what I do. It, it's like my, this is like my blanket. It's like my security blanket. So it goes with me wherever I go. But I was just like praising the Lord on the airplane because I'm like, this is so good. God is amazing. God, especially in the Old Testament, I'm sorry, I don't mean to teach Bible, but it, um, you just see how much God loves us when you see the big overview of the Bible. And I I can't get enough of it. I'm just blown away. But by how God. grateful we are that we serve an infinite God. There's no ending to Him. And the more no. you study, the more you realize, wow, he, the more I need to learn. You yeah, know? but He loves us so much. So much. So much. much. Excellent. And I and I also think it's it's so important, no matter where you are in your life, to enter that study with no shame. Because a lot of times people will assume, you know, um, my husband's a pastor, so she obviously, you know, knows the Bible. And the number of times where people ask me a question, I go, oh, let me give you Mac's email. Or my kids, you know, people would assume that we just woke up quoting scripture at breakfast, you know, that that's just right. what we did in our house. And I'm always learning. And you say that about you, you're always learning. And I think that's a great example yeah. for our kids as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the word is living and active. So it's, you, re, you can read things so many times and it just jumps off the page in a different way because it truly is a living. So where are your kids right now? Age-wise, life stage-wise? Sure. So I have all adult children. Whoop, My whoop. youngest is 21. And, and then I, we have a 23-year-old and he just recently got engaged. So we have an upcoming wedding. That we're really excited about. Thank you. And our daughter is going to be 25 on Tuesday. Okay, so when your kids, and your husband was a professional athlete, so my guess is sports were a big deal in your house. Yes. And you both got, both of you have big careers, so making decisions. We talk a lot about the significance of articulating your values, your family values, you know, what's important to you may be different from what's important to your neighbor or even your family of origin, but how you now, the significance of saying this is what our family stands for, and therefore this is how we will make decisions. You guys 
did that. And you had big decisions when it came to sports, I'm guessing. Oh, sure, we did. And we wrestled with it all the time. So my, my husband retired when my st- kids were still pretty young. So by when my boys were seven and nine, they, they begged my husband because he actually didn't want them to play hockey. And they begged him, like, please, Papa, can we play hockey? So he's like, okay, well, if, if you're going to play, then I'm going to teach you how to be the best. <laughs> so, of course, my husband stepped into role of coach and coached them all the way up until college. And... I struggled all the time because sports were such a massive part of our lives. And you know, I know this is a big football town, and even though we were hockey, I mean, it's same, sports are sports. It's all consuming. And I mean, I was living it, breathing it at home, but I struggled so much because of practice and games and travel schedules and when those fell on weekends and Sundays, which were every weekend. And so my husband and I were always at odds because I'm like, church is more important than sports. And he's like, this has been my whole career, honey, and you've been complaining for 25 years about it. It's never going to change, so let's figure something out. Let's figure it out. So we wrestled with it, but I realized, okay, this is the journey. This is where we're at. This is what our boys love. And my boys have the most amazing coach they could have. So let's make decisions. How will this look for us? And so over the years through the seasons, sure, lots of days we weren't in church on Sunday morning. But did we have a Saturday night service? Could we go then? Sure. Could we watch a service online? Sure. And aside from being present in church, because I've always felt that's very important, there's still other ways to be in the Word of God. So that never stopped us from having our morning devotional with our kids as their parents and having those other, we used to do like uh, Bible and bagels before before, um, school. Every, like every Monday, my husband would drive, they'd they'd go probably 20 minutes early, do a Devo out of the Bible and bagels, and then he would take them to school. That is excellent, Bible and bagels, I love it. I may start that for myself. (laughs) It's not too late, right? It's It's not not too too late. late. I would like for you to go get me a bagel tomorrow. Uh, Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. See, now that we're in the empty nest, there's a lot more of that kind of stuff going on than when (laughs) our kids were at home. I am here for it. (laughs) Candace, I love, though, that you, I so appreciate what you said. I struggled with it. We wrestled with it. My husband and I were at odds. I don't celebrate that y'all were at odds, but I think everybody in the room here has been in that situation or understands what it's like. And I think sometimes we think, well, if I'm struggling with it, I must be doing something wrong. And in reality, if you're struggling, most of the time, you're kind of where you ought to be. (laughs) It's true. You know? And, And so I think, so speaking of struggle, I think this is a great segue because you came to faith pretty early in life but then you had this incredible career that was so public, so, you know, life in the fishbowl. How did you navigate the public eye and, you know, quote unquote Hollywood while maintaining your faith and staying true to that? I, I think that's like the, whether you're in Hollywood or not, we all come to those integrity crossroads where you have to make a decision. Talk about a little bit about how you made those decisions along the way. When, when God truly grabbed a hold of my heart, like I could, I could talk forever and share that testimony, but he, he did when I was about 
about 24 years old. And I remember I was praying in my bedroom and I'm just, I said, Lord, don't, don't ever let me forget. It was like the veil was pulled off of my eyes and I just, I felt the presence of God so deeply and I, and I prayed out and said, I don't want this to, to ever end. And I want to live my life in service to you and all the things that I do. And so that's what I truly feel that our, our purpose is. That's what's biblical is to, is to glorify God. So we, the, the things that we do in life are really the secondary purpose. If we're students, if we're professionals, if we're teachers, whatever, those are the secondary purposes, but the ultimate purpose is to glorify God in what we do. And so I've always, that's always where my heart's desire has been. And so I thought, okay, once I go back out into Hollywood, which again, I took that 10 year break to raise my kids and then went back out. I'm like, I'm yours, Lord. So whatever you're gonna do with this or not do with this, I'm yours. But certainly my faith has, has um, been the driving force of the decisions that I've made within my career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Choosing family-friendly television, uh, choosing to do things that, I feel would be honoring and uh, not all things are faith of faith. I've, I, but I've been intentional about being in the family entertainment space. Well, and I think too, you've done an incredible job from, from the outside looking in, you have done a phenomenal job of staying very good friends with people who believe very differently from what you believe we believe as followers of Christ. And I just know, you know, the little bit of being able to see how you have managed those relationships with with people that maybe we would not invite to speak on Sunday morning at Lake Hills Church. You've done it with such grace, but also been very, very loving to them. Talk about how you've managed that because you do have you do have friendships with people that are very, very different in terms of the bedrock of their values. Sure but you still love them and still stay connected to them. Absolutely. I think I, I probably have more friends that aren't believers than are believers, and that's the truth. It's also because of where I live. I mean, of course, I have friends all over the, all over the world, really, that we keep in touch with um, through FaceTime or whatever, but I've, I've grown up in a, in a world and in an industry and in... Los Angeles in general that is not as church friendly as the state of Texas. So I've always, and I think that's probably another reason that has really pushed me to to be prepared in season and out of season to know what I do believe. Because when you're around a lot of people that aren't believers, they're going to, they're going to ask you questions. They're going to test you. They're going to um, they're going to share with you, but it's allowed me to grow even deeper. But, but what that also does, which I love because it, it helps me be prepared, but I love those conversations with people who think differently because it can help me understand their perspective, where they're coming from, whether I need to, can have more compassion or empathy. It doesn't necessarily mean my beliefs are going to change, but I want to relate because that's how, that's how hearts do change is over relationship. Hearts don't change when you just tell someone that they're wrong and you tell them how messed up they are. They change when you 
try to come together and see it and maybe maybe have a different perspective, but can relate and empathize. Yeah, I think Jesus said it so clearly. By this, they will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And doesn't just say love the people who believe the same things. Love only the people who go to your school or go to your church. Love one another. And when we are living that out, then I think he does his best work. He does his best work in our hearts and in those that we are loving for sure. Okay, here's, here's a maybe a strange question for you, but we do that all the time. I'm we, nervous. When you say that, <laughs> it just makes me nervous. And that's part of why I do it. I, I actually, mean, actually, most of why I do it. Okay, but go ahead. We kind of we like to think of the family as a team. That's something that I think all yes. of us can connect with. And whether we're athletic or not, you, you understand what it means to be a part of a team. If Team Beret had like a rally cry or something that unites y'all that like you kind of go, you know, beret on three, one, two, three. What, what would that rally cry be? Okay, guys, bear with me because we have a family motto. I, I love, love it. it. I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I love it. Okay, just hear me out. <laughs> hear me out, but here's the family motto. Excuses are for losers. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Excuses are for losers. But, I'll, but I want to explain it a little bit more. Does it but, need a subtitle? Uh, well, it, it it needs, well, I, I want to explain this. Uh, my husband actually went to the craft store and got those stick-on letters, and it was like six feet long, like <laughs> over the wall of our boys' bedroom. So every morning they'd walk out, excuses are that, for losers. You know what? That's godly fathering right there. That is <laughs> that a godly is so father. great. That is so great. My, our daughter, she had the stick-on letters, and it was the fruit of the spirit. It was Galatians 5.22. But the boys, excuses are for losers. <laughs> but here's what we meant by that. And we, we truly, like this is our family motto, is that God wants your best effort. God wants you to show up in the hard things, in the easy things. And if you just make excuses not to show up, it's a loser attitude. If I think, listen, we all want to win, whether it's in sports or whatever we're pursuing. We all want that win. But we know on the days, like, I gave it everything. And if there's still a loss, okay, I'm going to learn from my failure. I'm going to grow. I'm still going to get back up. I'm going to do uh, whatever I can do. I'll, I'll, I'll train a little harder. I'll read a little more. I'll study hard, whatever that is. But we always say, don't give me any excuse before you even try. Because it's a loser mentality. I love it. That is so great. Excuses are for losers. We, on occasion, it may be like uh, the standardized testing days, on the way out the door, Mac would say, this was our cheer. Don't embarrass the family. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. We would I say, stand by that. Yeah. Uh, your test Make is no going to have your last, our last name on it, so don't embarrass the family. That was built on a foundation of trust and relationship. We did not I come out of the I might or might not have told Joe that before that. church this morning. We, 
We did not come out of the gates with that, but I do think a rally cry, to rally together as a family and to come up with something that is yours. You know, Team Richard, we had ours. Team Beret, you had yours. You can do that, families. You can come up with your own rally cry. As a church, our rally cry is gonna be, let's do this. You know, we are with you. We're gonna do this together. And I do think, what a fun thing to start the year, to drop off at the bus stop or to drop off at school with a family rally cry. And maybe the rally cry is, let's do this, or don't embarrass the family, or whatever it might be, just to have something that is a reminder that we're in this together. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, we care, and we're in this together. And Candace, I just, first of all, we can't thank you enough. We fully understand this is a weekend away from your family, and we're beyond grateful. I would love to just have a word of prayer for you and your family, if that's okay. Yes, thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, today we just come before you overwhelmed by your goodness, God, your power, your truth, and your grace. We thank you for Candace and her family, for her marriage, for her children. And Father, we pray your blessings on them. And Father, we also pray that you will continue to just place a hedge of protection around their hearts and their minds and their family. God, we ask that you would bless them beyond anything that we could ask or imagine as they continue to live for you, to love one another, to love people in your name for your glory and their good. We ask ask all of this in the name that is above every name, your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Will you join us in thanking Candace Cameron Bure?